Welcome to the Ear Spoon. This is the Vermontitude edition. Mm-hmm. Tell them what the Vermontitude edition is, Steve. I Never can, mind, you don't know. I don't know. So <laughs> it's it's where we dedicate a little bit of our Ear Spoon studio mm. time to local Vermont issues, where the pod hails from. Mm-hmm. Where we hail from is Brattleboro, Vermont. Right. And uh, we have a special guest, but before we get to our special guest today, mm-hmm. we have to thank Mocha Joe's Coffee for caffeinating the pod. That's true. Yes. Thank them, Steve. Thank you, Mocha Joe's, for, what did you say, caffeinating the pod? Caffeinating the pod. I'm not going anywhere near that. <laughs> All right. So uh, you want to introduce our guest? Yes, I do. All right. Do Welcoming it. here to, to the uh, Earspoon HQ is Emily Kornheiser. She's running for District 1 rep in Montpelier. Uh, which is ostensibly West Brat, and am I, I'll have Emily explain. But Emily, thank you for coming in to talk to us. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate you being here. District 1, to be clear, is all of West Brat and anything over the highway and into Brattleboro? It's all of West Brattleboro. It's the west side of Orchard Street, mm-hmm. all of Guilford Street, mm-hmm. and then going west until you hit Dummerston and Guilford Got it. and Marlboro. So a large physical swath. All the dirt roads. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. All the mud. Sunset Lake. I'll get you one of those gravel grinding bikes and you can mm-hmm. knock door to door. Uh, what, what is Everyone our... has a theory on that. You do that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for jumping on uh, jumping on the pod for us. You Appreciate you are uh, you are our first legitimate guest inside the Earspoon Studios. You have you have you have breached. Our yeah. door. Sorry Thank you. That. It's very glamorous in here. Isn't I'm happy it? to be here. <laughs> Isn't it? We had to, yes, we, it's lovely. We literally, before we went on air, had to take a few things off the wall. Right. Yes. <laughs> we were going for glamour, so thanks for noticing. You're yeah. welcome. Yeah. welcome. This is a thing for us. So <laughs> so listen, uh, there's a lot I want to ask you about, and, and I've known you a while now, and I know some of the work that you've done, but I want to give you a chance to share that with other people. But what I found, I, I went to your uh, campaign launch event, which was wonderful and well attended. Uh, I loved the story you told of your career trajectory, and I wouldn't mind starting in to give people a chance to get to know you based on where you came from and how you got this way. Thanks, Steve. Um, So I moved to Vermont when I was 17 and fell hopelessly in love with community. I had never experienced community before. I grew up in fairly suburban alienation Mm -hmm. and was angry about it for most of my childhood, (laughs) as many teenagers are, whether they're in suburban alienation or not. And... um, Worked in international development, really enjoyed it, and how big picture I got to be in connecting national governments with multinational corporations and how it was glamorous and it was difficult. And I got to talk to people about their very different bottom lines, whether that was mining companies or AIDS activists. Um, But it became increasingly irrelevant. And one day I was in Tanzania meeting with... um, telecom companies who were working all over Mm -hmm. West Africa and East Africa to try to get them to bring telecom services, especially cell phone and internet, to rural farmers um, in Tanzania Mm -hmm. so that those farmers could get pricing before Mm -hmm. they got to the gate. And I remembered that none of my friends in Brattleboro who lived out on those dirt roads that I'm going to be representing had decent internet or cell phone service at their house. Mm -hmm. And it was just the last straw of irrelevance. (laughs) And I went, came home and I went into work and I said, thank you for an amazing career. 
I'm gonna step back now. Mm-hmm. Um, Kornheiser out. I can't. Tell you, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've said that myself. Right. <laughs> I have that bumper sticker. Yeah. I wish. Um, and I started working the front desk at Economic Services mm. a month later. Um, wow. I thought about doing some consulting around rural telecom here, and just decided I wanted to dive into something even more practical. So let me draw a thread between the the tactical side of what you're talking about mm-hmm. and that initial conceptual idea about community i mean obviously you know the rubber hits the road in a lot of different places and you have to actually turn conceptual to actual but that's quite a motivator that what can you talk a little bit about community and and again you're talking about an alienation model coming Mm -hmm. out of that what was the delicious part of finding and and working with community when i first moved here i was in awe of how diverse it felt Mm -hmm. and you know, as I said at the campaign kickoff, I heard people having converse who worked at Vermont Yankee having conversations at the bar mm-hmm. with folks who were philosophy professors, and person at the hardware store having a conversation with the artists and residents. That felt like a community that was possible. That mm-hmm. if people could talk across that class difference and talk across mm-hmm. that cultural difference because they were sharing coffee or sharing bourbon or a meal Mm -hmm. it felt like we could do anything here because we'd be able to find common ground yeah and over the last 10 years in vermont i see that less and less Mm -hmm. and i've seen our class divide expand i've seen our cultural divide expand i think a lot of the challenges that we see in montpelier whether that's from the progressive or the conservative perspective we're not really understanding people's cultural motivations and their sense of alienation i really want us to come back together and remember what it means to serve each other and we can't do that. And that that's the basis for it. So there's the sort of existential view of community, right? That we're serving each other and we're knowing each other and we're loving each other and we're having meals and we're making sure that our neighbor, you know, gets their driveway shoveled when they're sick and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And that all is just American pastoral and lovely. And then there's the fact that if I'm working from eight to six and trying to take care of my kid and my mortgage and whatever else, I don't have time for any of that. I don't have time for democracy. I don't have time for community. I don't have time for anything. All I have time for is me and my family. Mm -hmm. And so when we have, when our economy is working better, we have more time for all that other stuff. There's like eight questions that came out of that. And you jump in. I don't want to. Yeah, no, let me. And and, uh, Emily speaks to something that I've been preaching. I've been beating the, the, the pulpit Mm -hmm. on this is that we are just so heavily distracted as a culture right now um, that we can't even stop and fix the thing that would slow it down so that we could fix the thing that would get it running correctly and that and that's exactly what you said you know everything comes in everything has to be shrunken down to um, we used to say okay so you know so you're 30 seconds you know if you've got to pitch your company you have to do it in 30 seconds what do you have to say then that turned into the elevator speech which is we know 20 seconds and now it's down to 15 words i mean this is so we're kind of going in the wrong direction and i've i've said this before and we just had a conversation before we came in here like the things that that voters are concerned about are uh, when they step into a, a voting booth is often not the things that really impact them mm-hmm. you know the second amendment people that well you know th- we said this before in the pod, the whole Second Amendment's been around for over 200 years. It hasn't gone anywhere. It's not going to go anywhere. We'd like to see it a little bit better regulated. We'd like to see people more responsible for it, but that's how they're going to step in and they're going to vote for that person. 
wants there to to protect that amendment. Yeah, single item voters. Yeah, and and so you've got the you know they're basing their vote on a motion and mm-hmm. on whatever they heard on whatever well, channel I, they're, I think they're listening to. I think that's all a product of that eight seconds. So yeah. I went to a training um, training program for folks who want to enter democratic politics, and. We worked on having this 12-second spiel. (laughs) And the 12-second spiel, for me, is everything that I don't want when I'm running. I'm running because I want people to have conversations about what they want. I'm running because I think democracy runs best when there are multiple people in the race. Mm -hmm. And I'm running because I want to have nuanced conversations with people on their doorsteps and in the streets about what matters. And so when we're shrunk down to those 12 seconds, there's no opportunity to think about just your anything beyond your just one core issue. Right. And to think about what are the issues that really drive and affect your life in a big way, like what your wages that you bring home and what yeah. protections you have in the workplace and how your health care is provided for and all those really big picture issues you don't have time for right. with a 12-second spiel. No, you don't. And it, it and it's unfair. And I, and I, and I get it. When, when we're talking about commerce, when we're talking about capitalism, um, then you do have a finite amount of time to say something so striking that it stops so that you can have a bigger conversation. So it is important to have that 12 seconds. Uh, I, I assume you're, you're speaking about, the, is it the Emerge? It program? is. It's the yeah. Emerge Vermont program. It's, a, it's an awesome program. It is. And it is important to be able to capture somebody because once you have somebody's attention, once you've said something so profound, you now have an audience. So that 12 seconds is important. So you need to develop that 12 seconds in order to, ga- to in order to garner a half an hour. Mm. But it needs to be a 12 seconds that builds spaciousness, yeah. that builds conversation, that doesn't close down yeah. debate and keep us us and them because yeah. that's where we're moving and I want us to be coming yeah. closer Ain't together. Ain't that the truth? So l- let me take it a step further than that. So picturing, I guess the question I have for you, and, and I was going to ask you at the event, but uh, I saved it for now, but like, can you give me a sense of what kind of tool you see uh, a, a, a seat as a representative being towards advocacy, towards activism, towards representing community? You know, a lot of people go to elected office and say, oh, I'm going to go in there and you watch what happens. And, like, and then it's like, oh, my God, there's so many ways this <laughs> doesn't so go much. anywhere. Paperwork. So, yeah. <laughs> and, they, and we know we have a limited uh, session in the Vermont State House from January to May, depending where in May. Um, and these, this is a citizen legislature, one of the last bastions of true democracy in, in the country, as far as I'm concerned. I think we have a lot of reasons to be proud of, of our state uh, governance. But where do you think you can actually be effective? What's your imagining now? And how do you expect to learn that when you get there? So what I've been doing in Brattleboro over the last five years is hosting community conversations around issues that matter. So through the Wyndham County Action Network, we had a series of policy story hours where people would tell the first hour would be people telling stories about these important policies that affected their lives, but personal stories, almost practicing testimony for the state house. Mm-hmm. And then the second hour was talking about the real policy and legal issues that are part of that. Having more events like that, I want to bring that back. If there's an issue that's happening in Montpelier, I want to bring it back to the community to ask people, what do you think about this? How does this affect your life on a day-to-day basis? Helping people really see beyond that day-to-day to to say, how would this change your life in five years, in 10 years? How will this affect your children's lives? So, and to be meeting people wherever they are to do that. So whether that's continuing to knock on doors throughout my entire time in office or continuing to host meaningful conversations that aren't about talking at Mm. my constituents and reporting back, but being in the community asking people, what now, what next? Mm -hmm. What do you think of this? Mm. When I hear 
folks who are running for office saying, I'm going to take on this one cause and make this one change while I'm in office in that first year. My first thought is you don't know how it works up there. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to vote for you because that's a great right. cause that I agree with, but you don't know how it works up there. Right. I don't know what committee I'm going to be put on. Right. I don't know who the other people on the committee are going to be. Mm-hmm. What I do know is that when I get up there, I'm going to be able to collaborate really effectively with our delegation to make Wyndham County yeah. a place that gets a lot more attention. And I know that I'm going to be able to bring all of that back to my constituents to keep on having the conversations here. So let, let's dial this in to, to where we are now. And and again, I'll, I'll just dial it back. Um, Emily is actually running against an incumbent, If uh, for those of you not, not familiar with our area. And uh, we've had this conversation, Steve and I, in the pod before about talking about um, running against People who are already established, establishment politicians, people who are out there, and and we and the, I think the last one that we did, uh, more notably, was about Cynthia Nixon, who mm-hmm. was running against um, uh, what's his face, New York. What is his face? What is his <laughs> Cuomo. face? Cuomo. Cuomo. Thank I you. I do appreciate being compared to Cynthia Nixon. Thank yeah. you. Well yeah, done. No, 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 and, and I mean it a as a compliment. There, no, I, I mean it. Thank you. And, and that when I first read the headline, mm. I had that visceral reaction that you have when you read a headline, that society has trained you to have a reaction to the headline. Oh, no, for, an actress. Actor. Yeah, right. Uh, I, I think there's also like a, oh, that woman, she's like, you know, trying to be up and coming or well, standing not, up or not, not for no. me. Look so uppity, right? Right. No, not, 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 not for me. I just, I just viewed this as, as an actress from a show called Sex in the City, uh, from movies called Sex in the City, and oh god, that's what she's leaning on. And then you started, but I didn't stop at the headline. I, I read mm. beyond it, and then I was like, Great. and a few things that intrigued me. Anyway, I'm a big fan of people who step outside the comfort zone mm-hmm. and run against the incumbent. Now, you may or may not win if you run a good race and you you really challenge the incumbent, and maybe you win. We hope that you do. You can begin to change, I believe, the political face of what we're looking at and the things mm-hmm. that you, you, you've you talked to. Um, because now you've got a politician that's not comfortable and that the job could be taken away from them. And if they enjoy the job, if they enjoy what they're doing, then they work a little harder, they fight a little bit more. I mean, is that... Well, yes and. I think the citizen legislature is a really interesting thing. So you're not really even paid a living wage to be mm. up there. No, that I understand. So in order to even figure out, so it sounds on paper, you know, citizen legislature, that means that this is something that people can do. Right. But in fact, you're not paid a living wage to be up there. So it takes a fairly extraordinary amount of privilege to be able to maneuver your day-to-day expenses to mm-hmm. be able to take something like five months off of work and not get paid a living wage. Right. One... And it's taken me two years to, you know, and I have a partner and we have a house and it's taken me two years to sort of figure out a work situation that I could make work for this. Mm. And I think a lot of the folks up there are working really, really hard. But I think when we challenge incumbents, we have this weird small town New England thing where it's, you know, it's considered a little rude. Yeah. A little rude. Everyone knows everyone, you know, everyone's neighbor, which is someone, you know, everyone's neighbor is friends with the incumbent's daughter or works with someone else who works with someone. We all know each other. We're all shopping at the same grocery store. We're all going to the same birthday parties. Mm. And so if we could think about it as not about personalities and not about sort of personal politics and even about like, you know, pushing someone and pushing something, but instead this is, you know, 
a debate in the public space about what matters and an opportunity for us to do that and to let voters say like, this is what matters to me. This is what I want for the future. That's what happens when we're having these like really active, these active debate debates, these active races. And And, I think we should have it everywhere. Yeah. Oh, I, 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 I'm I'm all about, I'm, I'm, I'm all about the, uh, I, I don't know. You, you said it, it like that being rude. You're yeah. rude for you know you you should just wait your turn. I'm I'm not a fan of that. Yeah. I've never been a fan of that. I mean, if there's something wrong, I get it. If the other candidate is 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 legitimately better than you or legitimately more entrenched than you are, then then fine. And it might take two or three times before you 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 know you you break through the chain meal and and get to the meat. Is that it, a it, that's a horrible example. Yeah, that's not. That. that wouldn't have come to mind. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, <laughs> you think the way you do. And, yeah, you know. Uh, and you're Sicilian, so, <laughs> so there's that. Uh, yeah, I think it, you know, you'd mentioned before about having forums and, and having conversations and bringing it back to the community. I'm I understand that as you just described, there's not a lot of time in a given day for a legislator. You're certainly not getting paid too much money, God knows. Although you'd think from the comments section on Facebook and other places, but uh, oh, I guess my question is not even a question so much as something you can speak to is, you know. How you're talking about fostering and encouraging a, a, a community dialogue about mm-hmm. things and issues. Tell me what that might look like. Kind of paint a picture of that. So I think I am in a particularly strong position to understand how government works in real life. So we have laws on the books, and then how are those laws implemented? What do the policies look like that come from those laws, and how do those affect people's lives? So I've been working for state government for a while, I've seen what it means in action. And so one, when a law, a bill is being proposed, I can have conversations in committee and in the legislature about, okay, but what about this detail? What will that mean for implementation? How can we tweak this to make sure that it is actually implemented or it is funded? We have a lot of beautiful laws in the books here in Vermont hmm. that we are not funding the implementation of. We have strong workers' protections and our Department of Labor mm-hmm. doesn't have any funding to actually protect workers, for instance. Mm-hmm. So when I come back and I'm talking about those issues with folks in West Brattleboro, Brattleboro, Wyndham County, I can say, this is what I think, how I think this is actually gonna play out in your life. What do you mm-hmm. think about that? Mm-hmm. And I'm not gonna be doing it from an angle. I'm not gonna be doing it from the angle of you know, the voter I'm talking to. I'm gonna be speaking really about how I think this would affect people and ask them what their perspective is. Mm-hmm. There's a debate right now around the $15 <laughs> minimum wage. And a lot of the pushback on the minimum wage from the left is about the benefits cliff. And that there, there's a certain segment of working parents who, right. with a $15 minimum wage, will lose a certain amount of their benefits because of that, mm-hmm. specifically around um, access to early care and education benefits. But no one's asking those people on benefits, <laughs> do you want $15 minimum wage? Right. Do you want your benefits? What do you think we can right, work right, this right. out? Not from a raw, raw perspective, but just from what do you want? For your yeah. life and yeah. for your community. And I think that's a huge problem. I think that a majority of people, and I said it earlier, <clears throat> really just honestly don't know what they want or haven't had the opportunity to sit down and think about, gee, what do I need? You know, well, I need my guns. And I think many folks in politics, partly because of the privilege that's required to be a member of a citizen legislature, haven't lived enough different lives and ask really had access to enough different parts of our community mm. to be able to even understand what it would look like 
for any given law or policy to be implemented. And I've been really lucky in this life in Vermont to have lived all of these different lives as a mother and as a single mother and as a consultant and as someone working minimum wage and as a waitress and a bartender and a student had the opportunity to meet so many different people from our across our community so that I can understand bits and pieces of people's stories and how our government affects them. So talk about this part of things. One of the things that I I love talking about and always have when it comes to Vermont politics and Wyndham County in particular and Brattleboro in specific, for a lot of people, the cartoon version of us is 100% liberal and as liberal as they come when it's just entirely not true. And there's a large portion of our area in Wyndham County and Brattleboro uh, that's not liberal by any stretch and many that are plenty centrist and plenty to the right. I know your politics go to the progressive side of things as mine do, but how do you speak to and how do you attend to the needs of people who don't agree with you um, on some of these you know, hot button issues, but you may find common ground with them somewhere. Talk about that. I think this is a challenge across the country, but I think Vermont, particularly over the last 20 years that I've been here, I've seen some really controversial issues get really, really hot because we're not speaking to what people's core challenges around them are. So whether, you know, civil unions and the Take Back Vermont movement, right? So I I think civil unions are wonderful. I wish we had just gone straight to marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that Take Back Vermont started as just this real rural resistance to a 70s takeover of a state and people feeling like, their voices weren't being listened to. And when we look at Act 46 and the school mergers, I truly believe that we have folks in Montpelier want equitable education for our students. I think that's what Act 46 is about. I think it's about making sure that every child in Vermont is considered all of our children, that kids in Vernon are the responsibility of the kids in Guilford, and kids in Dummerson are the responsibility of the kids in Brattleboro and vice versa, and that all of our children need equitable access to education. That takes a, That's a little too close to that. It takes a village thing for me. <laughs> <laughs> well. But when we don't acknowledge that by you know changing school formulas and school funding, we're affecting the foundation of town meeting and people's sense yeah. and right yeah. to town meeting, when we don't take the time to acknowledge the harm that we're doing or the damage that's being done, then we wind up in this us, them, flatlander, newcomer, Vermonter paradigm. When I think most folks who live in Vermont, and you know, when I was knocking on doors this weekend, I was talking to someone who told me that he voted for Trump and then told me he was going to vote for me because we both agree that things need to change. Hmm. So I think there's a lot of people who are sort of single voter issues who feel incredibly disrespected by a lot of people who, have, who do have liberal politics. Mm-hmm. But in the end, they want the same. They want a good education for their children and they want living wage jobs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think if we start there, we can get pretty far together. Yeah, I think I agree with you. And, and I love hearing anybody running for office talking about finding a way to, to disarm the you, me dichotomy, the us, them dichotomy, because honestly, we're just going to all go over the cliff, right over the waterfall if this continues like this. I mean, I feel very strongly about the way I feel politically and philosophically, and I find things to the other extreme you know, anathema. I can't even consider it. I know you're a little bit of a troll on Facebook. Uh, a little bit. Here oh, there. man. Not well, even I'm always I've... polite. 
I'm always. I, I'm, I'm, no, not, <laughs> not, not always. I like You're that's not, true. No. I, I, I take when, that when back. You start, when you start answering people in cruel memes, it's not. Polite. I know memes. Yeah, well, that's how it goes sometimes. Yeah, I'm, but I'm saying like there are people that are on. Uh, I'm just never going to have a, a sane and solid conversation with them. But I do know plenty of conservative people, or people certainly more conservative than me, and I love having conversations where we can say we're going to agree to disagree with to, around this civilly. But we found some common ground, and I think that's you know wantonly missing in, in today's conversation, not today's hours, but the conversation that we need to be having in the age of the orange fascist, et cetera. Right. You know? yeah. And I think even when we look up, you know, sort of across the center of mm-hmm. Vermont politics and we think about how we use taxation and we have folks who are sort of on the higher end of the middle income spectrum who are really resistant to new taxes. And I think really talking about what it means to raise wages and how that positively impacts our economy and that when we have more money flowing through our economy, we all benefit and really being able to have those conversations. I think that makes a really big difference too. And how quickly, I mean, it's a conversation I have a lot about this, the $15 minimum wage and I'm utterly, I mean, and I, I have got just arms full of things of, you know, facts and studies and, and things to just, drop on people. It's all fake news. Because, yeah. But it's like people throw out all these canards that are 100% refutable, not even up for discussion. It's like, you know, the cost is this and it'll do that. And none of that is true. And so trying to draw a conversation with people about things that affect them. I mean, they're voting and encouraging their own oppression in a way. It's a really difficult sale to make. So, so sometimes you need to, rather than use a study, say, well, what do you want for your life and for your kid's life and why do you think that someone else having that will keep you from having that mm. I will go back good one yeah. I, I will go back to the time that I got accosted at the polls oh yeah remember that that's a story right. yeah um, it, it it devolved quickly into a shouting match filled with expletives at the top of our lungs all right it got ugly at the polls at, at the, the polls, municipal center at the municipal yeah. center <laughs> it devolved what did Jan do quick, well they, we were with stairs with people trying to separate us, my wife being one of them, um, and and it got and it was all because this individual had dropped me into a box and started just checking. Yep, here's what he is. He's against guns. He's against this. He's against that because he's a, you know, because he he, he he leans left in his politics. I lean right. Therefore, we could never right. do it. So I had written my next column, addressed addressed what happened in the column. Apologize to everybody who had had to bear witness to my flare because I did I flared I really did can't picture it yeah I know <laughs> then invited him to sit down and have a civil conversation and he took me up on it he could have knocked me over with a feather by the time we left that conversation and the conversation that we had that we agree on just about eighty percent of <laughs> all the things that are out there that we mm-hmm. agree on go figure but he decided to pick a couple of these flashpoint things, a couple of these wedge issues mm. where we meet at the 20% and choose that, which is to, to accost me with, which always, and what do I constantly say? There's just always a small percentage of, of people, narrative, everything that controls us, mm. whether it's the 1% controlling all the wealth, the, the 5% of people who are abusing the welfare system, the, the 5% of people that are in jobs they shouldn't be in, they tend to represent the rest. I think it's or, more like 0.01% of people yeah. who are abusing the welfare system. Yes. But it's, well, I, I, it's pretty I, I low. Totally, I totally yeah. hear what you're saying. I, yeah. um, Do you really? Because that was just mean. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
One of the early conversations I had about running for office was um, with a group of women, range, wide range of ages. And someone from sort of closer to the Rockingham area talked about, really encouraged us who were running for office to be thinking about how to sort of stake our claim to New Englander status. I said, I can't. No one will ever fall for that from me. I am clearly Jewish. I will always be clearly what? Jewish. And it's not, and that's my ethnic background. So I'm not going to try to cover. I'm going to try to come to this exactly who I am mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah. saying, I know something of gun culture. I had, you know, I had a partner who slept with a handgun under his pillow every night for a year. I, you know, my existing partners from West Texas and when we go visit his family I have, it's amazing <laughs> I mean all we do is shoot that's the only thing there is to do is to drive around and shoot guns mm. that's the activity it's fun that's the activity though I would have I would have not expected that it's fun <laughs> <laughs> and so you know various yeah. other you know joined tried to join an anarchist commune when I was 21 and mm-hmm. all of a sudden that was all about guns so I actually really stepped away Super. fairly quickly what I do know is that when we talk about rights rights aren't always in isolation our rights are in competition mm-hmm. with yeah. each other and someone's right to bear arms is often in direct conflict to someone's right to safety right, and so right when we air. talk about our right to breathe air so when we talk about things in isolation instead of talking about things in system mm-hmm. with each other it makes it really hard yeah god knows that's true and the way we get our information now is very siloed and very you know echo chambery and let me change subjects for a second if you don't mind i I have always loved, since I got here in 98, 20 years now, uh, how well-womaned our representation has been in Montpelier. And this is a, a perfect example of this time right now with two uh, women senators representing Wyndham County. Uh, and it continues to be true. Talk about whether, that's a, whether that matters even, and if so, how. I think it matters, of course. So do I. Of course, I think it matters. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure if it matters, well, of course, but biased didn't want to assume. Um, I think it very much matters, and but I think it matters because we need the lens of politics to be expanded wider, so that more people's lived experience is represented up there, and yeah. folks who have had more experiences are represented. Mm-hmm. So. Yes, I think that we need female representation. I also think we need representation of people of color and of folks who have grown up in non-middle class situations and all across and folks who are queer. And not to say that every woman in politics is going to be a feminist Mm -hmm. and be representing women's issues and not to say that everyone, every person of color is going to be well representing the majority of people of color. We can't ask one person to speak for an entire population. No, but I think the more we can bring diversity to these offices, the people who are white and male and in their seventies. But we've done such a good job <laughs> right. so far. Everything is going so well. Well, you all, the two yeah. of you, will have an opportunity to learn more about what my experience is because I will have a voice. So it's not just about me as an advocate. It's about me being in spaces, talking about the bottom line in a way that people haven't heard it before. Right. And that's the difference for me. I think think that's that's exactly how it should be. I think all voices need to be represented. um, And we just have to convince everybody to get beyond those one wedge issues that they think that they're voting on that they might have pigeonholed you into. um, That clearly through this conversation is we we have... uh, 
we have a much more than just a one-issue politician or hopeful politician here. Quite clearly. Uh, You must have thought about it. What committees would you hope to be on? Oh. <laughs> All of them, <laughs> except for this one and this one. They have a um, they have a bowling league, so it's safe to say that. Almost, I actually kind of like bowling. It might be the only sport that I can handle. Uh, um, bowling strangely like, cool. I am really geeky about government. I'm really geeky about budgets, and mm. I can find almost anything interesting. Wow! And I've had this. Do you tutor? Because <laughs> I don't find everything interesting. I want that skill. So I they have a pill for that. You know, know, so I've learned, um, I know a lot about our energy infrastructure and I can like get really into that and I know, Mm. but I think um, I'm interested in economic development and being there. I think that would be meaningful to me. If I could right now, just if somebody could say, here's here's what you're making uh, out in the real world, but we want you to take that, we'll give you that salary and we want you to do one thing that you want to do, I would be an economic driver. I would nice. try to figure out how to keep um, youth escaping our state, try to keep them here, giving them jobs that engage them, giving them projects that engage them. I like to think that we're not going to try to keep them here, but we're going to give them a reason to come back. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I want them to stay. I got one in Oklahoma. I want to come back. Yeah. Um, uh, and I think also, they should all have a chance to go see the world. Yeah, no, no, I just no. want to give I, them something interesting to come back to. Yeah, yeah. I, I, to come back to. I, it, but no. I do. I so I think that yeah, I love economic development. I think that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. And I think that almost every committee is having an impact on the whole. Is having an impact on our economy and our children and all of that. So human services is really interesting and dynamic and an opportunity to sort of move from a safety net to a safety floor that people can really stand on and build something. Each, you know, the Government Accountability Committee is also really driving that conversation. Sure. So I think whatever committee I'm on, I'm going to have a chance to make sure that I'm paying attention to how my work impacts the others. All right. Let's Let, talk, can I ask one more? Are we, I know we got to stop at some yeah, point. We, we, we've gone a long time, but I do have one more, if you yeah. don't mind. Can I squeeze that in? Sorry. Um, economic Sorry. development. Uh, God knows it's of interest to anybody in Wyndham County and Brattleboro, and uh, we've got you know people doing a lot of that work now, SEVEDs, BDCC, people who are you know, trying to figure out new ways, new models. Um, talk a little bit about any vision you might have for how Brattleboro specific and the county in general might move towards a different economy. And I wouldn't mind you talking a little bit about the arts economy in there as well. I think given that this is a rural state, even if we are a town center, a municipal center of sorts, mm-hmm. that the small business world is where we're going to see the most growth. And whether that is arts businesses that are supporting each other and, you know, at the intersection of tourism and education and real cultural uplift for the rest of us, or whether that's folks who are doing consulting out of state but located here, or whether that's, you know, restaurants that are serving us and serving others or value-added food products that we're buying here locally and we're selling outside of Vermont. I think whatever it is, it's really building up that small business infrastructure so that people have, so that entrepreneurs and employees have the supports in place to do that a little more safely with a little lower risk. So that's having a healthcare system where people, you know, small businesses, healthcare costs are exorbitant or IT infrastructure or making sure that energy prices are stable so folks have that stability in place. Mm. I think that Vermont is a leader in cooperatives, worker-owned cooperatives, Mm -hmm. 
especially, and that's a real opportunity with our aging population. We see a lot of people wanting to know what the legacy of their work has been. Mm. That's a real option for that legacy. And then I also, you know, in addition to value-added food products that we have a big push for right now, and I think we're doing really well on in Southern Vermont, the energy economy Mm -hmm. is another big one as well as the arts economy. I think those are the three real places where there's excitement. And I think there are three places that aren't dependent on tourism that we can really grow on. I'm very nervous about how much we emphasize tourism. Those are not, most of those jobs are not stable jobs. They're seasonal jobs. And that is a terrible way to build a life. And they're not, not only are they not stable, they're not well paying either. No. No. So mm-hmm. it's just like a, the perfect storm for and also contingent on the wellness of the economy as mm-hmm. as goes the national economy and and those expendable dollars uh, evaporate uh, and we are ultimately at the mercy of whatever's going on far from here. So I hope this is always a beautiful place that people love to visit and come to visit and be a part of and move mm-hmm. here. Sometimes mm-hmm. I think that's really important, mm-hmm. but I want to make sure that our economy isn't entirely dependent on that. Agreed. All right, Emily. So if folks want to learn more about you as a potential District 1 representative for here in the state of Vermont, where would they go? They would go to emilykornheiser.org. That's easy to spell. It's not easy to spell, but there are only a few Kornheisers in the entire country, so if you spell (laughs) it wrong, you'll probably find your way to me anyway. All right, good. And it's Kornheiser, it rhymes with Budweiser, E-I-S-E-R. There you go. Okay, all right. I also have a Facebook page and a Twitter feed. All right. And I'm on Instagram, (gasps) so you can find me on any of your favorite social media sites. And if you live in District 1, I will be knocking on your door soon if I have not been there yet. We'll be having house parties every week in different neighborhoods. Okay. Cool. And I'll be at most of our big community events as well as having a few more big community conversations. I'm hoping for one with food trucks this summer. Very nice. And there's a calendar that's going to go up this week on the website if you want to find out where to find me mm. or sign up to stay connected. Perfect. We've covered a lot of ground, but we couldn't possibly touch on everything. Anything is uh, everything. Is there anything that you want to talk about or mention in here that we haven't covered? We have an amazing gift in Vermont in the mm. way our voting is structured. Mm. So we have automatic voter registration. Mm-hmm. So almost everyone is registered. They just have to go vote. And voting for the primary, we have 45 entire days with which to vote. Mm-hmm. So folks can go to the polls to vote in the primary, which is the important race. And what's anytime. the date? From July 1st until August 14th. And the town clerk, so nice. You just walk on up there, walk on in. And if you don't want to go through all the trouble of walking, you can just call and get an absentee ballot. Yeah. So no excuse not to vote. There's absolutely, I couldn't agree with you more. It is so slam dunk easy to vote here. It is ridiculous. Yeah. And this, with that in place, I think people sometimes it's too nonchalant and the, yeah, 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 yeah. But like a, this is a time, especially now in the country at large and in this moment we are in this on this precipice for everyone who can get themselves voting to please vote in any form for anyone, whether it's Emily or anyone. But right. my God, please show up. My God. So, so thank you, Emily. Thank you so much for all that. And there'll be more to say, I'm sure. Thank you. Sure. Thank you for being here. And, and I wish you nothing but luck in what you're doing. All right. Well, thanks for, uh, again, thanks for jumping on the pod with us. Uh, That's going to do it for our Vermontitude edition. Mm. Why'd you cringe? Uh, Jumping on the pod. Jumping on the pod. It's all the kids are doing it. Oh, the Tide Pod. (laughs) Thanks for eating the pot. Stop. That's a lie. That's why I put staples in there so you stop (sighs) touching the counter. All right. That's going to do it for uh, this version of the Earspoon, the Vermontitude uh, version. Mm -hmm. Good to see you again. Good to see you. Cheers. Oh, 
This is Earspoon, your home for the stuff you're thinking anyway. Wow.